0: The NFHS Women's Leadership Team welcomes Tommy Storms, Executive Director and Co-Founder of the American Association of Adapted Sports Programs, to our podcast today. Tommy, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Jesse. It's great to be with you. And go ahead to get us started here. Can you tell us a little bit about how ASP got started?
1: I can. Um, I was head of the music business program for the Art Institutes here in Atlanta, and I am a 35-year broadcaster. I volunteered for a local school system that had an adapted sports program, and I learned pretty quickly that it was the only one that existed in the schools, and one of maybe only a handful that existed anywhere, even in our region, where kids... With physical disabilities, could go to participate in sport. So the short of it is, the Rehab Act was found was uh, created around 1973. Someone in DeKalb schools around 1980 uh, was able to get to the school system and say, we really should be serving these students. That resulted in an after school program. But unfortunately, by about 1990, it had become more adaptive and not adapted, Um, so it was very activity-based. So they hired a full-time coordinator, their first, out of uh, Emory University, where she was head of the, uh, uh, was supervising on the rehab and psych units. Beverly Vaughn is my co-founder. I co-founded this organization. And Bev came in and asked questions that leaders ask. Where are the deficits? What's missing? What isn't happening? And the result was she talked to me quite a lot. Anyone, really, Jessie, she could bend their ear. Bev is quite passionate about this mission. So she uh, grabbed me and reeled me in, and I've been involved now for about 30 years. But we did call it the American Association of Adapted Sports Programs. And I just want to explain quickly why we chose that name. Um, Adaptive is a verb. So it describes you know, like the house is old or the boy is thin or the sport is adaptive. Um, We chose adapted because adaptation itself is a noun. So while the verb describes the noun, uh, we want it to be the noun, which means our programs are set, the rules are set, the the adaptations are set. So you're not going to walk into the gym, have a disability we've not seen, and us go, oh, we're now going to become adaptive of our sport to include you. What we're trying to send is the message that it's been done for 30 years. We serve over 40 disabilities in the same program. And uh, it's not static, in other words. It is, in fact, um, um, What's the word I'm looking? It is. It is has stability. It has an equilibrium. It has a physical balance. It is adapted.
0: Great. Yeah, I appreciate that um, explanation. Like you said, the education there, I'm sure, is very important, um, as the terminology would get used um, in both ways. According to
1: Joe Winnick and some other researchers, and, um, and especially a paper they released on this subject in 2017, um, that's, that's what we said, that adaptive, adapted sport terminology is actually the preference in education because it goes with adapted, PE, uh, and it goes along with our focuses on modification of a sport rather than the disability. Uh, encouraging participation in a most integrated uh, environment, and it's consistent with the normalization theory. So again, we love ADAPTED, and we recently changed our logo to emphasize the ED, so it is ADAPTED Sports, because we are the only organization in the country ever founded specifically for the purpose of forming a membership of schools and high school associations who Are implementing adapted sports.
0: Wow, that's very impressive. That's great. And since I've heard, you know, through all this explanation here, a lot of firsts. So what were some of the biggest challenges that you found as you started this association?
1: Well, unfortunately, I think a lot of the challenges we faced are still being faced by persons around the country who want to serve these kids. Um, you know, the, the ADA and even IDEA mirror the language from the 1973 Rehab Act, which is that we have a responsibility and those with disabilities have a right to the same types of opportunities and, or so if they can't be acclimated, in, for example, on the, on the traditional sport team then we have an obligation to give them something that helps them achieve a similar or same benefit. Better health, learning about teamwork, uh, learning critical thinking skills, all of these wonderful attributes that come from sport that we're all aware of translates across the board whether we're talking about disability or we're talking about able-bodied sports. The difference is and the challenges that we face is first these kids are underestimated, or even the adults, it's like disability and sport to some people seem like uh, just completely incongruent with one another. You know, it's like, what? Um, And so we had media that would not cover uh, our events because it wasn't, quote, real sport. They saw it as an activity activity. They didn't see it as being on par with other high school programs or school programs that might have their pictures and uh, scores put in the paper. Our, uh, the thought of having them letter in a sport or or be fully included in that regard, there was pushback on. Um, we had fields and uh, gyms that had turnstiles where we couldn't get a wheelchair through it, even to access the, the field itself. And... Um, Frankly, the other is uh, our own attitudes, and I mean you, me, everyone, uh, with or without a disability in some cases, but certainly those without a disability, uh, not being in a place of understanding the, that there's really no different. Uh, it's a ball, it's a bat, it's a gym. It ha- there happens to be a wheelchair, but so are their skateboards and, and uh, bicycles. You know, it's a piece of sporting equipment. And I think I should say that over 60% of the kids who participate in our program, and we have hundreds participating in the state of Georgia, um, are uh, ambulatory. So they get in the wheelchair to play an adapted sport, but they, on a regular basis, might walk into the gym, whether they use a, a walker, a cane, or, or, or unassisted.
0: That's fascinating. I know um, I help coordinate for uh, track and field and that's been very interesting to see. That's a lot of sports that a lot of the state associations have been able to uh, find ways to help those students participate and like you said, make it a championship. And um, I think that's great that we're hopefully moving more towards that. And isn't that wonderful? I mean, that that
1: we are seeing the full inclusion of these students, especially through the track and field efforts. And just, you know, kudos and and accommodations to all those who have stepped up to do that and realize that uh, it doesn't take that much effort on our part, but it does take a shift in attitude. And that means everybody gets to walk in the door. Everybody gets to go. So, yeah, I can't say enough about how great that is.
0: Absolutely. I'm sure they appreciate you being a resource as well that they can go to and ask questions and such.
1: Well, and I think there are resources, too. I think the Paralympics and and some other groups have have been very helpful and and are far down the road in their development of uh, track and field, for sure. I think our claim to fame, well, I know that it is, and we have an embarrassment of accolades because of it, um, is we've been able to crack the nut of what has to happen on the educational level. Uh, when Bev Vaughn was hired by the DeKalb County school system, once they had started a good program, but then it began to turn into more of an activity adaptive type of thing, uh, was she came in and realized that that what was missing was that Adapted sport looks the same as traditional sport. That you have teams playing other teams across the state. That you letter. That you you see. You do a no pass, no play policy, which we have in place, uh, and that we address some of the dismal, dismal statistics that follow these kids. You know, they are twice as likely, three times as likely to be bullied. Therefore, they're twice as likely to um, either contemplate or attempt suicide, become a pregnant teen because they so crave attention and are often pushed to the back of the room, or gym, sit on the sidelines and told, well, you can keep score, but while the rest of us play, you know, things like... We all, I think, come forward with this wonderful part of ourselves that we want to make a difference, but we fall short because we don't quite think out of the box um, enough. So uh, what we've been able to do is at one time, we do not have the funding level we once had, uh, but at one time we had 36 programs in one state. 36 programs playing basketball, um, football, uh, track and field, handball, um, power soccer, and beat baseball for the blind. 36 programs. N- there's no other program I know of And maybe they should be on your show if they're out there. But no other program I know of that's been able to so extensively cast that wide net that education needs. They need to serve as many kids as possible. They need they, at least this was our mandate, make it competitive so that it can be comparable to what Able Bodied are receiving. It needs to be safe. Boy, did the boards tell us it needed to be affordable, <laughs> and, uh, it, and they needed to be able to achieve those same or similar outcomes. So that's what we've done, and uh, I'm very proud of the folks who helped us get here.
0: It's very evident that you're very passionate about it, which I'm sure has helped it grow exponentially. And um, that leads to my next question. Is there a specific character trait of yours that you think has made you most successful in your professional and personal life? You know, that's a great question. And I think it's
1: one that we as women especially need to ask ourselves. I,
0: um, I would say that
1: it's two things. It is um, perseverance and a willingness to be wrong. Perseverance is, of course, the, doing something despite the difficulty, because we will run into uh, all kinds of barriers, self-imposed sometimes and not even realizing uh, just because we're not quite bold enough to do what we know needs to be done. And sometimes those barriers are put up by others. And then the willingness to be wrong, I can't say enough about that. I get excited when I hear people say, I'm open, I'm listening. Uh, maybe, maybe there is another way uh, forward. Uh, but a willingness to be wrong means that we're willing to learn in a world where everyone seems to be fighting to be right. So um, I think that those are the attributes that have
0: carried me forward. I feel like that speaks to bravery too. That's something that can hold people, a lot of people back. And is That fear of, of failing or, like you said, being wrong. So transition here, talking about your time you had mentioned um, prior to the association, what was it like during your time as a music business professional and a, a radio personality? Is that something you had always dreamt of being when you grew up?
1: Well, that's where the um, that's where the perseverance and willingness to, to be wrong was learned. That was the Petri dish. Um, I am, I don't mind saying, I am having a significant birthday this summer when I, I get my red, uh, white, and blue card from the federal government to... Uh, yeah. <laughs> to, uh, save greatly on, on medical costs. So, so I started, uh, I graduated from college in 1981 and I was already in radio, um, working at a small radio station near my college in South Carolina and, uh, Ronald Reagan, when he was elected in 1980, he hired a guy named, um, Donald Fagan to be head of the FCC. And what Ronald Reagan did that was so wonderful is he, he, um, what's the word, deregulated uh, broadcasting. You used to have to go and practically be an engineer and take a test, know how to build the station before they'd let you on the air and talk about it. But what Ronald Reagan did was saying, you know, if you you promise not to cuss and and you promise to tell the truth, which I wish they still did that, uh, but you can just sort of ask for a license and we'll mail it to you. And then if you, you know, step out of line, then that's one thing. But all that said, men did, it was a man's world. They did not want women in broadcasting. Um, It was, um, honey, go get my coffee and we'll put you on overnights. And um, I had my licenses stolen off the wall. My commercials would be erased that I would produce in the studio. All forms of, of intimidation and we don't want you here. Uh, Certainly that wasn't everywhere that I worked, but it was something that women in broadcasting in the early 80s and even 70s dealt with. So you just had to kind of work around it, not make people bad and wrong. You never get anywhere by making people bad and wrong, just by, um, I'm like, okay, this is a problem. We'll solve it. I'll create other commercials. I'll record two versions. I'll put them in a safe. I'll put a combination on it, and I'll give the combination to the general manager, just people within this couple of stations that this happened, that was enough for the guys to go, oh, okay, well, she figured that one out. So then it kind of became a game. And then it kind of became... You know, befriending those who initially saw you as foreign or other. And that just, I've found, has worked for us. I've always been in these situations where I seem to be the foreign or the other, the outsider. And uh, suddenly we were able to come on the inside. But again, never by making people bad and wrong, but by putting on, on your team and showing them you're not a threat. And then letting them be with you to also lead. Uh, great things come from that. I'll say one more thing about that and le- and we'll move on. Harry Truman said, there is no uh, end or limit to what can be achieved if no one cares who gets the credit. And that's the other thing. When we set our ego aside, amazing things happen. And we've proved it here in Georgia with educators who've gone we don't even know what we're jumping into, but we're going to do this, and we did, and look what happened, so it's great.
0: Oh, that's great. That's a very cool story. I'm sure, like you mentioned, of being in a male-dominated industry early on, um, were you able to find any female mentors that kind of helped you along the way, or were there the male allies that you found uh, helped get to where you are today?
1: Oh, gosh, thank God for our male allies, right? I mean, they just, you know, i I don't want to be too old fashioned, but the night and shining armors are still out there in business and otherwise. We have our uh we have our men who do support us. Um as far as women, I I can not really, not in radio. Definitely in sport, definitely in sport. Um we have just had such a great opportunity to work with folks and have them on our board, like Ann Cody, who now works for the State Department and uh, worked under Judy Human. You know, we just lost Judy Human in March of this year. She was called uh, the mother of disability rights. Um, we had met with Judy Human in Washington in the Clinton administration, and she was very helpful in what we needed to do and, and, and appreciative of the challenges we were facing. If you don't know who Judy Human is, go and watch the Academy Award-nominated documentary, Crip Camp, because it is the story of Judy, and uh, she's uh, was just a, a wonder one of the wonderful people that we were able to watch and and uh, go on with. But no, not in not so much in radio. We were uh, not like it is today. <laughs> we were the pioneers, as you say. And that's all right. You get pioneers sometimes.
0: absolutely. like i said, i'm I'm sure um, people look to you as like an educational resource and an example. Um, so that's so great to see what all you've been able to do um, in this short span of time.
1: Well, I hope so. We are All of us here, not just me. It takes a, it takes a team. Uh, but Robin Hootsell, our state director, uh, Christy Jones, who's built one of the most successful adapted sports in the country, uh, the Houston uh, County Sharks. I'd be surprised if they don't get their own documentary at some point. Uh, and we're just glad we played a role by giving them a gym to be in. Um, yeah, just uh, we're very, uh, very, very fortunate to have some pretty smart, very dedicated, passionate people here.
0: Absolutely. And a final question, um, kind of looking at building the pipeline, like you said, in sports, it is more common, um, luckily, to kind of have females coming into to those roles. Um, is there anything you try specifically to help maybe build that pipeline, whether it be females or males? We have supported programs who empower women here
1: in the state of Georgia and elsewhere. Um, everything from uh, having our having our female athletes be fully included in things like you know, the Miss Georgia pageant or, (laughs) or, um, you know, going on for, for scholarships and finding female mentors for them. Uh, so though we have participated in other people's efforts. Um, I, we have not per se had a formalized, uh, program of our own, though Jean Driscoll, eight time winner of the Boston marathon, has uh, been on our board before and continues to be a great friend of the organization. Uh, just having those people in our sphere, as our young women have come up, we could say, you know what? We want you to talk, get, have a conversation with Jean Driscoll, have that moment, that opportunity to have someone inspire and encourage you. So, um, and then remember, we're a membership of schools, so we don't tell the schools what to do. Uh, they often have their own programs and conjunction with the adapted sport program that complement it uh, and we definitely encourage those efforts but we are we stay in our wheelhouse which is adapted sport (laughs) training officials uh, training coaches um, advocating for more opportunities and a wider door.
0: Well thank you we kind of like to uh, typically end these podcasts with a little casual fun uh, segment where it's called this or that so i'll ask you just a couple questions and just the first thing that comes to your mind which of these either or questions uh do you prefer music or podcasts uh music swimming pool or beach beach cats or dogs oh that's hard
1: <laughs> dogs but i've I've had both and love both
0: <laughs> uh, summer or winter uh summer waffle or pancake oh that's good
1: i'd say waffle actually okay uh, and then pizza or pasta? Oh, I gotta. Mm. And then you had to give me the hardest one at the end, right? <laughs> I want to type pi- a pizza with pasta right in the middle.
0: <laughs> I like that. Pizza. That was actually <laughs> when I was writing these up. That was the one I struggled with the most. I'm like, oh man, those are really close in my mind. <laughs> I know uh, that's a hard one. It definitely is. Well, um, thank you very much again for your time on behalf of the NFHS Women's Leadership Team. We really appreciate you taking your time out of your busy schedule to join us today um, and provide the valuable insights that you have.
1: Thank you, Jesse. I appreciate it. I'm very honored by the opportunity, and I encourage anyone who has any questions, uh, you know, please reach out. That's what we're here for. We're happy to help your questions about how do we get what we call America's sidelined kids in the game. Thanks again.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much, Tommy.